Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. While we're standing, the Bible is open to Matthew 16, the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Today I'm going to continue in this thought that we began last week, spiritual legislation. Look at someone, tell a neighbor, you're sitting by a legislator. Well, I thought we voted on legislation. No, you're sitting by a legislator. If we ever get a revelation of who we are and operate in the anointing and in the authority God granted us through his son Jesus, we'll see some things line up in our society that I think don't get lined up until the ecclesia becomes everything God called it to be. Matthew 16. Uh, Let's jump into verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell, of Hades, shall not prevail against it. How many remember what we talked about last week? How many know hell's got some legislation going on, but what they're deciding will not prevail against what the people of God are deciding. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys. This is where we're going today. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In the, in the original and the more appropriate way to read that is whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. You have to understand the tense of the Greek is not It's up for grabs, but it's very important you understand that it is shaped this way in the original. And I'll show you why in a moment. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. So we want to talk about spiritual uh, spiritual legislation. And I want to talk about the keys of the kingdom today and what is binding and loosing. What is binding and loosing. So Father, help us today. Give us the spirit of revelation. Let it sit on us today. And may our eyes... Come open our minds, be renewed according to the truth of the word. Dear God, I feel so stirred for this assignment and for this series of messages and this teaching. I believe you are calling us into greater understanding of our identity. And you are calling us into a greater departure from religious monotonism that has produced futility and weakness in the people of God. I pray today for the strength of God to come, for the Holy Ghost to come, and to bring strength to the people. Bless your people today. Come on, lay hands, lay your Bible down, put your hand on your head. Lord, bless the people today to hear and receive the word of the Lord. Let our minds be engaged and receive what you have to say today. Lord, I know it's rainy on the outside, but that is we are not so shallow that that will somehow enforce or in. uh, shape us in this house today. There's a joy in the kingdom. There's a joy in the kingdom. We just thank you for the release of joy in the kingdom. Even on rainy days, there's joy in the kingdom. So Lord, today we release joy and may we preach and teach in the spirit of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. (laughs) 
So last week, briefly, briefly, to remind you of what we talked about last week, we talked about the ecclesia. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia. And the ecclesia is the governmental body that gathers and meets to legislate the agenda of the king. This morning, I'll remind you that Jesus is the king and he has an agenda. And we are not here today to insert our agenda. We are not here today to stand on our soapboxes. We're here today to hear what the king of glory has to say because he, the king of heaven, has put on planet earth a representation of his kingdom and we are called as ambassadors of that kingdom to execute the king's agenda so that the life we live on this earth looks more like the intended life of those who were born from God and are a part of the kingdom of heaven. There is a different kind of life for those who are born again by the Spirit of God. Somebody said, do you think you're better than people who are not saved? I, I, don't, I don't think I'm better than that person. I think I'm better than the old me. I'm not better than you. I'm better than the old me. When I got born again, he changed me. And I may not be what I'm going to be, but I'm definitely not what I used to be. And there is a measurable, quantifiable difference in our lives now that we have become a part of the kingdom of God. And it is our responsibility as preachers and citizens of, king, of the kingdom, it is our responsibility to help people not become a member of a church, but become citizens of a kingdom. Now, you need to be a part of a local church because the local church is the vehicle that introduces people to the kingdom of God. But this church is not the kingdom of God by itself. It is an expression of what kingdom life should look like, which is why you will often hear me talk about culture in this house because what a person encounters when they come to church oftentimes affects whether they want to truly be a part of the kingdom or not. How many ever had a bad church experience? If you're not careful, you will associate bad church experiences with the kingdom of God. And I want you to understand right now, there are good ambassadors of kingdoms and there are bad ambassadors of kingdoms. We want to be a solid ambassadorship of the kingdom of God so that when people come here, they get a good taste of the kingdom and say, I want to be a part. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom of God? So Jesus came to establish the church as his governing body on planet earth so that it could legislate kingdom things and work on behalf of the agenda of the king. We talked about that last week, how the ecclesia are the called out ones. He called us out, called us together, and together, watch this, we begin to call forth. You are not a legislative body unless you make a decree and a declaration. Simply coming together to sing songs. And singing songs is wonderful. It's protocol. It's how we enter the presence of God. But I want to tell you that there's actually a mission attached to our gathering. It is assembling for the purpose of knowing what God is doing in the earth and calling that thing forth so that it can come to pass and be done and accomplished in our life. And so that's why we come together as the ecclesia. And we are a, we are, we are a church body. We are a body of fellowship. We are a body of worship. Come on. 
We, every now and then we are a body that comes together in fellowship and we eat food and every now and then we come together and we worship and we lift our hands. Every now and then we come together and we teach the Bible and that is discipleship and every now and then we come together and we teach on giving and that is stewardship. But I want to tell you that ultimately all of those things are given to us, are done for us so that we come into an understanding of the will of God. And by coming into an understanding of what the will of God is, we are then able with conviction as a legislative body to call forth the will of God in our day. To actually decree and declare what the will of God is so that people know what God's agenda is in this hour. Now, I will confess to you there are some things and sometimes I don't know what God is up to. And I have to trust him when I can't trace him. How many know that's the truth? But there are already many, many things in the Bible you don't need another prophetic word on. I don't have no help in here today. There are many things that are already established and already decided that we could simply say yes and amen to. I'm going to get to that in a minute. And so we are the ecclesia and we are the legislative body of the kingdom of God. And he put this legislative body on planet earth. He called us out of sin into his light. He called us out of darkness into the light and gave us the ability to call forth the reality of the kingdom of God. Mm. And he says to the people of God, to his disciples here in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Look at the text with me. And it says, and, say and. I want you to look at these next several phrases in these next several verses. And I say, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church of gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. And, 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 and. Why? Because all of these thoughts are connected and it is almost the unfolding, unpacking reality of what Jesus is here doing. It's not just one little simple, it's simple, but it's not just, it's not just one little incidental thing. I'm, I'm building my church. He's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I'm gonna give you the keys. Come on, the kingdom of God takes you into more and more and more. Do you see? And, 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 and. So he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Keep your Bible open, I'm going to teach today. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom because how many know that the kingdom, in order to get into it, you got to have access to it. Now the kingdom is available for anyone who will come by the prescription Jesus laid out in the Gospels. Not everybody who is a human being can live in the kingdom. Here we go. You say, well, I thought Jesus came to save everything. They could enter the kingdom. But the only reason they don't enter the kingdom is because they don't come into the kingdom the way the king laid out. And if you do not come into the kingdom the right way, you don't get to come into the kingdom. Now, when I say that, people rise up and bow up and, they, you know, that, that, uh, that uh, participation trophy spirit starts kicking in. Well, I, won't ever, I thought everybody got to come in. No, you can't bow your knee to another God 
and get into the kingdom of God by confessing your allegiance to another Savior. There is no other Savior save Jesus. And if we are not preaching the, if we are not preaching the gospel of the kingdom, then what we're preaching is religion, which is, and I'm going somewhere today, which is why many people come to church, but there is no power and no change and no transformation because we are preaching our own pet stuff and not preaching the kingdom of God for which Jesus came to give us entrance to. The kingdom, the kingdom cannot be accessed without having the proper keys. So I, I was thinking about this message, I would preach on keys. And I remember when, when we recently moved, or I say recently moved, a year and a half or so ago, we moved, and I found a ring of keys this big. I don't even know how I would ever put it on my, my hip. It would break your back. I mean, it's, it's that there were literally probably 50, 60, 70 keys on this ring. And Deborah said, what are those keys? I said, I have absolutely, absolutely no clue. She said, well, where do they go to? I said, I don't know. I think stuff at this house. She said, well, what do they open? I said, I don't have a clue. I don't even know if we need them anymore. And I thought about that this morning, looking at that big stack of keys on a ring. Jesus came to give you the keys of the kingdom so that you could access the kingdom. But if you don't know what the keys are and you don't know the purpose of the keys, you can have keys in your pocket and absolutely go through no open doors if you don't understand the key that's necessary to get there. Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Now I'm going to say something and it's going to absolutely inflame the religious people who will misunderstand what I'm saying. And somehow take this and clip it and say he's a heretic, whatever. Here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes we blame God for not doing something. He gave us the keys to handle in his name. I, I knew it. Well, God is sovereign. God can do anything. God is sovereign. God can do anything, but you have been given authority and power and for you not to do what he gave you the keys to do is a flagrant violation of your citizenship in the kingdom of God. We live in a, a democracy and we have a president in Washington, D.C., he doesn't plant your seed in your garden. You do. Well, I'm waiting on God to give me a harvest. What have you done with the seed he put in your hand? I give you the keys to the kingdom. Take your Bible open and keep it open today. We're just gonna talk for a minute here. Revelation chapter three. How many ever heard of the church of Philadelphia? Church of Philadelphia, Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love. That's where we get the word Philadelphia from. Phila is from the Greek phileo, and it means um, kind of that friendship, camaraderie love, brotherly love, Philadelphia. Uh, and I don't have time to teach on love today, but there are three kinds of love. There is 
There is agape love, which is the deepest form of love. There is eros love, which is erotic love, where we get the word erotic. It's that central, steamy, some of y'all get nervous, that uh, passionate kind of love. And then there is phileo. Phileo love is that brotherly love that you have one for another. When Jesus comes into your heart, you love people. I got four amens and a uh uh-huh. But you know what? When Jesus comes in your heart, you love people. And if you want to know if you belong to Jesus, take inventory of the amount of love and hate you have in your heart. And the more hate you've got, the less you are like him. And the more love you've got, the more you've been in contact and in the presence of God. Because a man can't love without God because God is love. And to the church of Philadelphia in the third chapter of Revelation, you can, you, can, you can open this up. The Bible said that God gave him, God gave them the key of David. To open, listen, to open a door no man can shut. And we usually preach that and everybody goes crazy. Well, God's going to open the door. But I'm going to tell you, keys are not just about giving access. Keys are about restricting access. Because some doors don't need to be opened. Some doors need to be shut and locked and the key thrown away. The greatest blessing God could ever do you as a citizen of the kingdom of God is not just show you the door he has for you. It's to show you what door you're not supposed to walk through. And some people don't understand the significance of shut doors and you are still crying, screaming, pitching a fit, kicking on doors, trying to get doors open because you want what's behind the door. But this is not let's make a deal. God is not trying to jeopardize your future by giving you everything you want. He loves you too much to tell you yes for everything you've asked for. And sometimes when he says no and shuts the door, stop crying, start shouting and say, God, if you said no to that, it's only because you got something greater for me. Some of y'all are chasing a man right now, a woman right now, a spouse right now. They ain't giving you the time of day. Honey, put your Reeboks on and run from that if they were for you. Y'all. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. The keys. I'm going to give you what you need to get access to what's for you. And I'm going to give you the keys to what you need so that you have a restricted access from what is not for you. Some things belong to you. Some things do not belong to you. And the keys of the kingdom, and this is so interesting that he calls them the keys of the kingdom because I think one of the things you have to be reminded about when you start talking about keys of the kingdom and access and restriction, one of the things you've got to be reminded of, I must be reminded of, is Matthew chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Do you know how many people in church get bent out of shape because they don't have what they want and the reason they can't have what they want is they don't want the right thing first? If you want the most important thing with all your heart, everything else you want will line up with God's will. If you get your heart set on the affections of things above and not on things of earth, you will find yourself less frustrated and less depressed over what's not happening and more fulfilled because when you put God's kingdom first, everything else you need has a way of showing up in your life. Quit pushing on doors that are not meant to be open and go down the hallway and find that open door that has been open and... Some of y'all can't handle this. But the truth of the matter is, 
This is why, and I'm not trying to be ill or mean or critical when I say this, but it'll blow your mind how many people, uh, uh, for instance, for jo- let's just say jobs. Okay, jobs, jobs. Okay, we, um, we say things like, I'm waiting on the right job. Well, you've been waiting two years. That thing you've been waiting on probably ain't happening right now. So you don't wait until that door you won't opens. If, listen, if you're called to own a car lot or a dealership and it ain't open, start a car wash until the car dealership opens up. Wash cars, make a living, let God bless your hard work. I don't have no help. But what I'm trying to tell people is the kingdom life will help you know what is yours and what is not. Stop trying to be God and force doors open and take the one that he opens so that you can do what he's calling you to do. He gives you the keys to the kingdom. If you are seeking first the kingdom of God, then God has a way of getting to you what you are assigned to. If you are not seeking first the kingdom of God, I don't care what you're pursuing, it is not going to work. If you seek first the kingdom, I don't care what you do, it won't fail. But if you don't seek first the kingdom, I don't care how hard hard you try, it won't work. Because the kingdom of God is something you enter and you have access through. And God or Jesus says, I give you the keys to know that. Now let me help you understand something with keys. Take your Bible, take your Bible and go to Luke 11. Luke 11. We're going to go a few places. I'm going to take you to John 10 as well. Okay. Now, so we have this age-old argument in, in theology about what are the keys to the kingdom. And people preach what the keys are. And, I, and, and, and I'm not here to correct anybody or tell anybody that I know what the keys are. I'm telling you that when you have something presented in the scriptures and Jesus doesn't explicitly tell you what it is, then he expects you to be able to understand what he's talking about by drawing inference from the context and the other places that he may have mentioned the same subject. You follow me? So so if there are things in the Bible that Jesus mentions that you don't completely understand, he probably talked about it somewhere else and you can go to those places and start putting the pieces of the puzzle together to get an understanding of what he's talking about. And these issues of the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom are that kind of issue because there are multiple places that the word of God talks about keys that I believe inform what he is talking about here in Matthew chapter 16. So look at Luke chapter 11, verse 52. Whoa! Somebody's like, what? Whoa! What is woe? I don't know what woe is, but I don't want nothing to do with it. (laughs) Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourself, and those who were entering, you hindered. Now, in this particular text in Luke's gospel, the 11th chapter, Jesus is talking to Pharisees. Everybody say Pharisees. 
Jesus is talking to Pharisees and he begins to, to announce a woe and a rebuke upon them. And he says to the Pharisees who were the teachers of the law of his day, he says to them, woe unto you. For you took from them the key of, of what? Come on, talk to me. Knowledge. He, he said, you took the key of knowledge. How do you take the key of knowledge from a person? You begin to twist the truth that the knowledge they had presented them. You begin to water down the truth until the key that it was and the access it was intending to give no longer works because what they knew, they no longer know because you stole the key from them. Go to John 10. Let me just unpack this. I got to put all this together for you. John 10. Look at somebody and say, neighbor. Keys of the kingdom are truths about the kingdom. When Jesus said, I give you the, key, the keys of the kingdom, it is not some mysterious, floating, ethereal, ooh, I got some keys. What are they? The keys are truths. The keys are revelation. Woo! The keys are things, thoughts, words from God that break mentalities and rip lids off of our mind that kept us outside of the kingdom. And now all of a sudden, the revelation descends by the Holy Spirit. Our eyes come open, our heart comes alive with faith and we start walking, God, I feel this, we start walking into places that we never could have gotten into on our own. It was the key that God gave us that we've applied by faith, turned the key, and doors start, started flying open in our life. I, I know the kingdom of God is real by the way I see people in this house growing. Well, I don't know if this Christianity thing is all that real. Where's Gigi at? Where's Car Gigi's in here. Gigi got saved on a Wednesday night. You know you for real got saved if you got saved on a Wednesday night. It wasn't even Sunday morning when we had all the pomp and circumstance. It was Wednesday night when they were but 300 people in the room and we sang just two songs. It didn't take five songs. It was just two songs and an altar call and Gigi came down and wept and gave her life to God and she was on drugs and had left Carrie and was living crazy and today she's back with the man she left. God restored her marriage. Why? Because God had the kingdom available to her and we gave her keys and she found the keys and said, oh, I'm tired of living in the dark. Let me put that key in that door and turn that key. And when she turned the key by faith, God opened her life up to a whole new level of living. Where did I tell y'all to go? Thank you, John 10, I forgot. John 10. How many ever heard somebody preach, a thief huh, cometh not, huh, but for to kill, steal, and destroy. <laughs> but I came. You know why you heard somebody preach that? Because I did. But let me help you understand something this morning. The thief, y'all getting ready to fall out with me right here, but I'm getting ready to show you the Bible. The thief is not the devil. 
Now, is the devil a thief? Hulk Hogan. The devil is a thief. But in the context of John 10, the thief is not the devil. I need you to show me why you think that. Okay. Verse number seven. Most assuredly, somebody say context is everything. So when you just pull one scripture out and don't read it in context, you can get some crazy stuff. Read it in context. It don't hurt nothing. And that way you don't find yourself eisegeting the text. You actually exegete the text. And instead of you trying to inform the Bible of what God was really trying to say, you read the Bible and you get it informed on what God was really trying to say. John 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to them, Now, let me give some context, say context. We have just come out of the ninth chapter of John, and what did Jesus do in the ninth chapter of John? He healed what? A blind man. And the Bible said that the Pharisees were trying to talk him out of what happened to him. Remember that story? The man was blind, Jesus comes along and said it wasn't your mama and your daddy that did it, but that the works of God should be made manifest, go to the pool of Siloam. He went to the pool of Siloam, washed his eyes, came back seeing, and the Pharisees said, well, this is a great sermon, I don't have time to preach it, but the Pharisees said to him, "Uh, that man was a sinner. The man Jesus that told you to go wash your eyes and then you got healed, that man talking to you was a sinner. And the blind man said something that is profound and it's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. He said, well, if he's a sinner or not, that I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind. Lord, I think I might preach for myself right here. That that man said, that man said, I was blind, but now I see. Now, if he's a sinner or not, that I can't answer. But I know one thing, ever since I met that man, I found the blue in the sky, I saw the green in the grass, I saw the stripe in the zebra. Something happened ever since I met, oh, 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 I better quit because I feel some preaching oil getting on me right here. Stop arguing with people who want to argue with you about a God who has already given you an experience that is beyond their argument. A man with an encounter is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Why don't you touch your neighbor and be real calm, but tell your neighbor you came too late. You came too late to tell me this ain't real. You God, God, I felt that. You came too late to tell me he's not the man. You came too late to tell me he's not the Messiah. If Jesus isn't real, who is this that picked me up on my shire and turned me around and set my feet on? Who is this that turned my black heart and made it white as snow? Who is this? So, okay, now back to teaching. Sit down. We got a teacher. Woo-hoo. Hallelujah. Touch somebody real quick and tell them you're too late for me. You're too late for me. You're too late for me. He woke me up this morning and started me on my way. If this is not really real, who is this living in my heart? 
somebody got a hold of John 10. Look at John 10. So, so this man was blind and they come to him and they try to jack him up and they say, well, this man, Jesus, he's a sinner. And the, and the man says, well, if he's a sinner or not, that I don't know. But when I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Now, the disservice, the disservice that this division of chapters does to us is that we start reading chapter 10 thinking this is an altogether different experience. When in reality, the talk Jesus is getting ready to have with his people is a continuation of the encounter with the blind man. So whatever Jesus is getting ready to say in John 10, it is as a result of what he saw the Pharisees doing to the man who was blind but is now being able to see. You follow me? Now let's look at chapter 10, verse number seven. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door. All who ever came before me are, what? Thieves and robbers. What is the thief? The thief, don't miss it, are teachers who came announcing things contrary to the king who came to establish the kingdom. So you've got Jesus who comes to establish the kingdom and is the shepherd that says, all y'all come on in here. All y'all come on into this field called the kingdom and if you wanna know how to get in, come through me. Cause I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And then you got these Pharisee jokers who come and start teaching things and start stealing because a thief is a, a robber. i never forget the first time, well not the first time, it was the first time I ever went to Rio Bravo down in the valley in Mexico. Me and Lonnie Hensley and Lee Nash, there was a handful of us. It was 112 degrees, 100% humidity. During the day, we had Medicina, La Lina Medicina, and La Lina Ojos, see, Ojos, yeah. If you have bad eyes, need some eye stuff, we got eyes and had thousands of people lined up in the eye line. And if you need some medicine, cause you got some parasites in your body, we got some medicine for that too. Thousands of people in the medicine line. Daytime, we'd heal people and get them some vitamins and get them better. Nighttime, we had church. And I'll never forget, I came, we came to that place and oh, Lord have mercy. I've never been so sick in my life. I got sick and they was holding me up. I was so weak, I could barely stand up. Lonnie Hensley was holding me up. I was up there preaching. They're holding me up. I'm about to pass out. I'm preaching. And that day before we started the session that night, there, the whole town, maybe six, 7,000 people, the whole town was up in arms because a thief had been stealing everybody's bicycle in the city. And there was a, and you know, how many know when you don't have a car, a bicycle is a blessing. Come on, you can't Uber like that. You got to have a, 
They had my, so everybody, everybody, I'm talking about hundreds of people. We can't find, our bicycles have been stolen. So I had been praying, I'm sick. I'd been praying, Lord, what am I going to preach? I never preached in this place before. And the Lord said to me, tell them there's a thief loose in Rio Bravo. And I said, Lord, they're going to think I'm the thief. He said, no, no, tell him there's a thief loose in Rio Bravo. And he said, I want you to announce that everybody who's been teaching and preaching another way other than me is a thief. And he said, I want you to come to tell him I came to give him life and to give him life more abundantly. And I'll never forget that night, barely able to stand, sick as I could be, I stood up and said, there's a thief loose in Rio Bravo. And all of them that lost their bike, I had them right there. Yeah, there's a thief. Let's go get him right now. That's what they were saying. I'll never forget the first person after the sermon was over. The first person I prayed for was a deaf woman. I thought, Lord, couldn't have been a headache. Couldn't have been an ingrown toenail. Why I got to be a deaf person? Lord, we need a miracle. I remember laying my hands on that woman's head. Pow! The power of God hit her. Her ears popped. She started shouting in Espanol. I can hear. I can hear. I can hear. And when that woman got healed, a wave of faith hit the room and people started running to the altar and they gave their life to Jesus because how many know Jesus is not a thief? Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one that came to give life and to give it more abundantly. Somebody shout yes. But the thief in John 10 was someone trying to make it difficult to enter the door. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys. And who did Jesus rebuke? Where my Bible go, my Lord? Je Jesus rebuked who? The lawyer. The one who had the word. The one who was given the word the legislative constitution of the kingdom and the lawyers of Israel took the constitution of the kingdom and started saying, it don't mean that. It don't mean you can be healed. It don't mean you can be healed. It's the Sabbath. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't do that on the Sabbath. Remember all this? This is all the taking away of the people, the keys that Jesus had given to them. M remember the woman that had the issue of blood? Do you know why she had to walk through the town calling herself unclean and she couldn't touch nobody? Do you understand why? Because the law said if you got that disease in your body, you, you can't approach other people who are clean because if you touch the clean with the unclean, then you will be, make them unclean. Uh -huh. But Jesus said, oh come on, Shia, thank you Lord. Jesus said, no, in the kingdom I'm going to give you an understanding that I'm not just the God who waits. I'm not just the God who waits on your sickness to pass before I allow you to touch me but I've got the kind of kingdom coming to earth that if you ever get hungry enough for me you can actually step on top of all those laws that they made and you can let hunger and faith pull you in my direction and how many know that when she touched him it didn't take a vote it didn't take a committee it didn't take approval he said who touched me why? Because the woman got a hold. I feel the Holy Ghost. The woman got a hold of a key. I'm telling you, you may not have a majority, but if you got a key, you can step out of your sickness into your healing. 
If you got a key, you can step out of your poverty into his blessing. So who does he rebuke? He rebukes the lawyers who talked garbage and robbed the people of the key of knowing the kingdom. That's why you better be careful who you listen to. I'm not gonna get no help on this. And I'm not, I am not here today to tell you how right I am and how wrong everybody else is. But I'm gonna tell you there's some jacked up wrong stuff being said and spewed from pulpits in churches. Y'all getting all nervous and squeamish on me. You better be careful who you allow to feed you in this season. Well, I got my favorite prophet. If your favorite prophet don't preach Jesus and doesn't preach the kingdom of God, I don't care how many words he's given you and how many dollars you've given him. The Bible said in this day, people have itching ears and they heap to themselves teachers who tell them what they want to hear. And that's the season we're living in in the church. Listen to me. This thing is never meant to be tribal. What do you mean tribal? I mean your your pet prophet with his pet message and your tribe and nobody else, streams are coming together. And woe be unto us if we surround ourselves with people who only preach what we want to hear to reinforce what we want to know. And God is saying, don't get trapped in religion and don't let your favorite. Be careful. You will never hear me tell you, Blindly follow me, because if I start talking some crazy stuff, put your Reeboks on and run. These teachers of the law stripped the keys of the kingdom from the people of God. And Jesus says, the thief comes to kill. Do you hear that? The thief comes not but for to kill steal and destroy. False prophets don't care about your future, they care about your money. I don't got no help in here, but I'm walking on this thing today. Well, if, if, uh, if you wanna grow a big church and take in a lot of money, tell everybody they got a destiny. I, I personally believe this. Personal destiny is becoming the idol of the 21st century church. Personal destiny. What is God going to do with my life? What if God wants you to give him your life and stop thinking about it? This is not popular. And you know these people, they will take money and I have, what? I have sat in a service and watched them do it. And they got a $1,000 prophecy line and a $5,000 prophecy line, and they don't mention the name of Jesus in their sermon one time. They don't talk about sin, they don't talk about the blood, they don't talk about the cross, they don't speak in tongues, they don't even read their Bible. 
And we flock to this nonsense because some yay-yay got a miracle over in the corner. And what you don't know about the yay-yay in the corner that got the miracle is he got paid off to tell everybody he got a miracle. I come to tell you right now that when you want to get ready to enter the kingdom, you will not come into this, this wide open, crazy bunch of foolishness. The kingdom is a straight and narrow kingdom. And some of us want to have our cake of sin and eat it too. And God is calling us out of that garden. He's calling us to live consecrated lives. He's calling us to put the kingdom first. And he's saying, make sure in this season and in this hour, you're not listening to a thief. Because what they're stealing from us are keys. So you go to a church on Sunday. I'm, I'm wrapping up here. You go to a church on Sunday. And if you're not careful, you, live, you leave the service. And I don't ever want it to be here. I, I pray all the time, God, let us be filled with the kind of teaching and preaching at our church that brings revelation, watch, that elevates us rather than pulls God down. Jesus said that the lawyers... Woe to you lawyers. You're not entering the kingdom of God, he said. And you're making it difficult for those trying. My job as a person who is to announce and preach the word of God is to simply teach the keys of the kingdom so that you can decide to turn them. But if I'm trying to keep you from the kingdom and I myself am not entering in, I don't care how spiritual I appear, I am not servicing the family of God and the flock of God well. And so today, I'm gonna talk about binding and loosing next week, but today, I'm going on a search for some keys. For you and I, that religion has stolen from some of us. Religion stole the keys. Oh, the devil, the devil, the devil. The devil is defeated. It's them crazy people that don't know the Bible telling everybody the Bible that it got us in a mess sometimes. I'm not being mean. I am telling you that people who have no regard for the Savior, no regard for the King or the kingdom are informing the people of God stuff that is not in that Bible and at the best, it is a twisted version of what God said removed from context and intended to say something completely different. We call it molesting and resting the scriptures. You were not intended to sit in a church and wait for the Lord to come rescue you and take you to heaven one day. I'm thankful we're going to heaven, but before we go to heaven, we are to occupy on planet earth. And the way that happens, I listen, and I'm gonna take it one step further. I 
I know that we will live life on a whole nother level when we get to heaven, but can you please hear me? We are not intended to simply hope about heaven while we are walking on planet earth. We are called to live in blessing. We are called to live in favor. We are called to live with divine influence. We are called to shift atmospheres. We are called to shift rooms. And he told us how to do it if we'll just take the key and turn it. But you can't turn a key that somebody stole from you. I'm done here. But about three years ago, I was working outside. Stand with me. I was working. Stand with me. I'm through. If you stand, I'll land this plane. About three years ago, I was working outside in my front yard. And I took my keys out. And I put them on the knee wall in the front yard. And a dude came by and stole my car keys off the knee wall. I didn't even know it. Because I worked so long that day, I thought, well, I misplaced my key somewhere. I actually had to go back and watch video two weeks later, three weeks later, and see that somebody stole my keys. Somebody said, well, how do you know he stole the keys? Because I preached at Jim Rayleigh's one night. I got home at three o'clock in the morning. I drove all the way home. I drove all the way home. And when I got home, I didn't want to open the garage and wake the kids and Devin up, so I parked the car out in the front yard. I had my other key, my spare key. I locked the door and I go in the house. I left my favorite watch, all my suit, my brand new shoes, my laptop, my iPad, my favorite Bible, luggage. Would you please quit reminding me of everything I lost, my Lord? It breaks my heart and sends me into depression every time I think about it. Left it all in there. I didn't want to carry it all in. It was three in the morning. I was exhausted. I didn't want to wake the kids up. I woke up the next morning to go to work, come to the office, go outside to get in my car. The car, gone. I walked out in the house and said, Devin, where'd you put my car? Why is always gotta be me? What did I do with your car? I said, my car is gone. I had to go back to the video system to look at the car. And at 3.30 in the morning, a dude walks up to my car in my driveway hits a button on the key, gets in my car, drives a, if you're in here, I'm coming for you, drives a mile and a half down the road, blows it up with crack and smokes dope in it and goes crazy in it, and then I find it. And the cops and the police take me to it and they say, here's your car. It was a mess. I got it all cleaned up. Two weeks later, got back home late again. Took everything in the house this time. Three o'clock in the morning. Man walks up, bam. Unlock, get in the car, drives it off again. Did some drugs in it again. I go get the car and said, I ain't getting this car again. Cause whoever is getting this car has the key. You can steal whatever you want to steal if you got the key that lets you in it. I want to tell some of y'all, you keep having your stuff stolen because a thief, and it may not have been recently, it may have been a thief of religion that told you when you were a kid, God ain't real. God don't work miracles. The Holy Ghost ain't still happening. 
There are people sitting in this room today who can't even think rightly about God because a religious somebody took a key away from you and told you, you can't, you can't ask God for healing. God don't heal no more. They tell you things like, you can't pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We are cessationists. No, 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 we're not cessationists. We're not, you're not in a house of cessationism. Do you know what a cessation, I just taught this to the students last week in school. Do you know what a cessationist is? They believe that the miracles of God are through. Let me help you understand this is not a house of cessationism. Well, I was told that when the perfect comes, then all that passes away. The perfect has not come. The perfect is Jesus. And one day we will see him. And until then, we will believe that he is who he said he is. Slap your neighbor, tell him, let's get the keys back. Let's get the keys back. Let's get the keys back so that when we pray for healing, you actually play, pray with some authority. Let's get the keys back so that when we talk about increase in finances, you actually believe you're next in line, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that you don't have to be a renter your whole life. You may be next in line to buy the apartment complex. Well, I don't know. You don't know because the key got taken away from you. You doubt your anointing because the key got taken away from you. You doubt your authority because the key got taken away from you. But we're about to step back into a place of spiritual legislation and we have the authority to, God, I feel this, because he gave us the keys. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. So the next time you go to a door, if it's shut, the first question you should ask is, is this mine? And when the Lord said, it's yours, I don't care how big the lock is on it. God, I feel this thing. If it's yours, God gave you a key to open that lock. Next time you come to a job interview, don't look at the stack of resumes and how educated they are. Walk in there. If God put it on your heart to put your name in, walk in there like your daddy owns the whole place. Walk in there and say, I'm here because God sent me here. It might blow their mind, but God gave you a Moshadiah. God gave you a key to open that door. How many got some stuff in your life? Doors, doors are closed, but you know it's your door and you know it's for you. How many know what I'm talking about right now? How many know that God is giving you access into places, into things that some people cannot understand, but you know he said it's yours. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you right now. I want you to begin to thank God for the keys of the kingdom. Come on, come on, thank him right now. God, we thank you. We thank you for the keys to bring access. Thank, thank you for keys that open doors. Thank you for the keys of knowledge and revelation. Thank you that you give us the spirit to know what belongs to us. How? Come on. We're going into the kingdom. I need everybody going into the kingdom with me to throw your hands up right now. God, we don't want to live in religion. 
We don't want to live in the shallow end of church. We don't want to live in the shallow end of religion. We want the keys of the kingdom. Oh God, I want you to activate us. I'm praying for access and open doors. I'm praying for influence. I'm praying for governmental leaders to be raised up in this house. Father, we want the keys of the kingdom. For the glory of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord. Keys, keys, keys. If you feel like there's something in your past that tried to take the keys from you, but this morning you're getting it back, I want you to put a shout in the atmosphere right now. Come on. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Lord, I pray this house would be a place where people easily get into the kingdom. Remove the red tape, the religious red tape, the demonic difficulties, these hindrances and resistances that religion has thrown up that keep people out of the Kantadama Hoshaya. I'm telling you, I'm having a hard time talking in English because my spirit is overflowing. I, I, I believe I'm seeing by the Spirit of God right now, families come out of religious bondage in this church and come into a kingdom life of influence, of influence, of abundance. Come on, of abundance. You say, Pastor, everybody, my family's broke. Only God will get the glory when your family is not broke anymore. Only God will get the glory when you don't die of the same sickness your family died of. He is breaking it. You are coming into the kingdom of God. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. God, I'm asking you right now. Over these next few days. I'm praying right now over these next few days that the spirit of the living God would begin to put keys in people's hand that they lost. We're getting ready to go, but if you're in this room and you would say, Pastor Kevin, I have a hard time believing for these things sometimes because of what I, this is no shame. I'm exposing an adversary because he's about to give back what he took. If you would say, Pastor, sometimes I have a hard time believing for the healing. I have a hard time believing for the best. I have a hard time believing for the breakthrough. I have a hard time believing for the increase. I have a hard time believing for the turnaround because just, just this religion made me doubt the goodness of God. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you. My God. I break it off of you right now in the name of Jesus. I break it off. I break that. I break it right now. Come on, loose them. Loose them in the name of the Lord. I break it off their mind. If you're near them and they got their hand up in love, just reach over and agree. It's coming off right now. It's coming off right now. It's coming off right now. You're getting the keys back today. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You're breaking it. You're breaking it, Lord. You're breaking it, Lord. You're giving them the keys back. You're giving them the keys back. You're giving them the keys back. The thief came to steal it. The thief, the thief came to take it. The thief came to destroy. But I command the thief to be rebuked in the name of the Lord. Come on, pray 20 more seconds. I'm telling you a transformation is happening in the mind. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. 
normal people are going to think we're abnormal because we've lived and accepted subnormal for so long what I'm talking about is not extreme it's normal but religion told us it don't take all that and so we went from normal to subnormal and now if we ever get normal people are going to think we're abnormal but I just think when you walk into the Piggly Wiggly and someone's life is falling apart, I just honestly really believe that the Holy Ghost in you cares about the hopelessness in them and that that collision is a divine setup for a life to be turned around. So Lord, today, come on, lift your hands in a receiving position. I wanna bless you before I leave. Father, today, put keys in these hands, keys of authority keys of revelation, keys of knowledge. They will not, we will not be ignorant. The enemy will not steal our inheritance. He will not have our cities, our children, our generation. We declare that we will have the keys of the kingdom. I declare that they're not something we wish for. They are something we receive because Jesus, you gave them. And I pray for the people of God today in Jesus' name that no, long, no matter how long they have felt locked out of the kingdom, the life of the kingdom will begin to be released in them even this day. God, the keys are coming. The keys are coming. And we receive them by faith. Now, Father, I pray for the people of God this morning that the blessing of the Lord be upon them. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit seal this word today. I pray that anything religion has attempted to steal would be restored by the Holy Spirit of God. Every key taken must be returned now. And every door intended to open must come open now by the power of God. I thank you for knowledge, the word of God. I thank you for the truth. And I thank you that it's made us free today. In Jesus' name, everybody shouts amen. We'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. Go in the peace of the Lord. The Lord bless you. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, Dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God, and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv, and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from, and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. 
best days of your life are still ahead of you, and we're praying for you today. God bless, I look forward to seeing you next week right here.